Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, it's 2018, so we're going to do what we normally do around this time of year and talk about the final films of 2017 out of Hong Kong. Um, plus, I get to look back at some of the things I've caught up on and some of my favorite things and some of Kevin's favorite things from last year. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, sitting here in sunny South Florida. And coming to us from his news desk in a haunted estate building is the original Ghostbuster himself, Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2018. Uh, We've had a series of sort of sporadic releases over the last part of 2017 because of life issues and whatnot, but hopefully we'll have many more releases to come uh, in 2018. So happy new year, sir. How was, uh, how was your holiday? Uh, holiday was good. I was back in uh, the States. If you guys remember, uh, I was back there for about nine days. Um, and of course I did the usual stuff. It was home. It's not like a real holiday. Um, so, you know, family obligations. I saw my niece and nephew and I watched, um, films that I really want to watch because it's award season, so a lot of the films are playing in uh, the theaters. I even, when I go back to America, I call them theaters, but when I'm in Hong Kong, I call cinemas. So it was a bit like... Anyway, um, yeah, it was it was, it was was good. Uh, I was I was really busy because um, I picked up a, a, a subtitle job right before I left um, and, and another translation job, and of course I had a bunch of other work for film archives, so I've been doing um a lot of, so i was pretty much when i wasn't with my family or wasn't watching movies i was at home working and i still didn't really finish everything i needed to finish um so no it kind of capped off a very very busy year um and uh yeah that's been like that how about your how about your holiday paul yeah it was fine you know the normal sort of uh family stuff that goes on around the holidays um, not too much to write home about or talk about on here, but we do want to talk more about uh, 2017 and some of the things that went on. It was a, you know, a big year for movies and entertainment in general. Um, so before we get into some of the, like looking back at uh, Hong Kong specifically, I just want to talk a little bit about favorite things from 2017. So I've compiled a short list, and so has Kevin. Um, and I guess off the bat, since this is a show that focuses primarily on Hong Kong and Chinese cinema, I have to say. I think my favorite Hong Kong thing from 2017 was Meow. Now, I know no! a lot of you are going to be gasping. Yes, you're going to have Kevin's exact no! reaction. This, I'm, I'm like blowing. No. This, this, when I think back of the year, the most fun I had in a movie was watching Meow. Now, that being said, it's not a great movie. I'm, I'm saying this right off the bat. I looked over the listing, my rankings so far of 2017 films, and it's not even squeaking into the top 10 because I've still got a lot of films to go. Um, it's not a good film, but it was a fun film. It was very much a dynasty film for me. 
Um, and it's the one that left, just for whatever reason, such a fun impression <laughs> on my brain that above all the other stuff I've seen, the Wolf Warriors, the Our Time Will Comes, you know, all of that, um, it's the one that is just in my brain as as having fun for some reason. Um, uh, beyond that, of course, uh, my love for Terrace House continues to grow. Um, both my wife and I really enjoyed catching up on the various segments of Aloha State that got uh, screened throughout the year. And, of course, we are anxiously waiting for the new edition, which is coming in a short few months. Um, also out of Netflix, I think perhaps my favorite original thing that they've done uh, this past year is the movie Bright, which was released back in uh, December 22nd, I believe. Um, and I was going to review it, but then I thought, no, it's been out for a while, and a lot of people have had a lot to say about it. And, I mean, I put a couple posts up about how much I liked it. I'm a bit of a fanboy in this regard because, for me, it's the closest thing I've seen to a film version of the game Shadowrun. If you're not familiar with the game Shadowrun, it's kind of an offshoot of the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. It's basically Dungeons & Dragons, but kind of in a present or slightly near-future kind of era where they've got, you know, people doing cyber hacking and corporate crime and espionage, but they've also got orcs and magic and dragons and things. And I always found that to be a very sort of interesting blend of the fantasy sci-fi genre it's not something we get a lot of usually we get straight science fiction or we get straight fantasy for you know genre pieces so i liked it a lot um i'm typically one who doesn't like sort of the partner cops buddy stories i mean and to be critical of it it kind of goes through those motions you know if you've seen a lethal weapon or you've seen a training day or or things like that, you know, it's got that very same dynamic. But for me, having it be a human and an orc, having, you know, killer elves, seeing a dragon flying across the moon in the background, um, and the slightly, they did hint at a sort of, a. it's not quite as cyberpunk as Shadowrun is typically depicted, but they did kind of hint at that in a couple places. And I, I came away really enjoying it, and I enjoyed, I appreciated the fact that Netflix took a chance on something that was, fairly original um, by design in this era where everything's a remake or everything's being pulled out of a uh, a comic book property or being remade that's already been remade two or three times. Um, I know it's controversial. I know there's issues with, you know, the orcs basically being represented as uh, minority groups and, and things. But And there have been some comparisons to Alien Nation as well, um, kind of using that model. But overall, I enjoyed it, and uh, I think the criticisms are a bit heavy-handed when it comes down to it, but I don't really need to get into that here. Um, I just really liked it, and I kind of geeked out while watching it. And and my wife liked it, too, and she knew nothing about anything. She just thought it was kind of fun and entertaining. Um, Kevin, what did you think of it? You've seen Bright. Yeah, I finished it last night, um, and of course, having read uh, a lot of the negative reviews, but I, I thought it was fun. I mean, it's the, the race allegory is really silly, and how... L.A. is still L.A. the way it is and how it just depicts L.A. as this full of gangsters and shady characters. And and while they, 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 they say words like magic wand and fairy lives don't matter, it's so silly. It's so silly. And, and you know, it's like it's not even worth taking seriously. Um, but, you know, it, in that regard, I, I had fun with it and I didn't think it was all that bad. It's not a great film by any means. I think um, there was a lot of tonal problems with it. And the se- honestly, the second half of the story 
didn't really go anywhere for me. Um, but no, I, I, I would like to see the world get expanded. And, um, and I know it's a sequel in the works already. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the dynamic between Will Smith and Joe Egerton, the, the, char- the, the characters at least. And, you know, it's cool to hear Will Smith say so many bad words because it's Netflix and they don't care. I mean, you don't have to worry about PG-13. So, yeah, it was cool that Netflix took a chance on something like this. And, and it was cool that David Iyer got to make something so adult with something that under a studio system would have been watered down and PG-13'd. Um, uh, and I found it kind of refreshing. Um it's not like I said. It's not great for any means, but like like I think I'm on sort of lean towards your, despite your love of meow, Paul. Um, I kind of <laughs> don't hold that against me, please. <laughs> I, you know I will. Um, I, I, I kind of uh, follow your lead here and say I kind of liked it. I mm. hate to say it, um, but no, it's not even worth taking seriously. Not and definitely not worth really the hate, the the the, ver- the, the such venomous hate for it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. All right. Let's see. Other things that uh, made me happy in 2017. Uh, to turn to other streaming platforms, um, as some of you know, I'm a frequent user of the Toggle app, um, which is gives access to some of the Channel Media Asia channels out of Singapore. Um, I use that to watch a um, very long-running series, Tangling, which I'm still like 200 episodes behind on, still slowly <laughs> trying to catch up on that. Um, but, uh, there's a new series that started, I want to say early December or maybe late November, um, called My Friends from Afar, which is a Singaporean (laughs) TV drama, but it's a science fiction, which is rare, um, about these four aliens who come from a planet called Echimus and they basically end up in Singapore and they're basically trying, because there's something wrong with their plan and they're trying to acclimate themselves at their sort of a scout expedition, if you will, to human culture um, to sort of pave the way for the relocation of members of their society because their planet's dying or something. So they're trying to learn human customs and things. And the, the actors that they have, um, you know, playing it, I've seen them in a couple of their Singapore dramas, but they're, they, they have very quirky mannerisms because they're aliens. Um, they have, you know, they have superpowers in some ways, but they are, you know, they don't want to get identified, so they won't use them. But really, it's about commenting on some of the mores and values of society. And they have these segments where they are talking to each other about, oh, you know, uh, how come humans have mistresses? Or how come, you know, uh, kids are so competitive in school? Isn't it, you know, why, why can't they all be winners kind of thing? And, you know, just trying to make observations on society, the society as outsiders. And I find it very interesting. Of course, it's a drama, so the special effects are not outstanding by any means, but I think the writing is pretty good and it's fun and it's a, you know, very standard sort of uh, drama, but it's got that sci-fi edge to it, which um, pulled me to it. And it's free. You can watch it um, on the Toggle app. I think everything except the most current episodes, usually those take a week to cycle through unless you're a premium subscriber. um, And then you can check those out. So if you're looking for something a little bit different in the TV drama area, you can check that out. Um, We've also kind of turned back to TVB through the TVB Encore apps, um, which are available now. So you can, there's a Chinese version, a Vietnamese version, and there's an English version. Now the English version, if you're an English speaker, um, you look for TVB Encore English. And it's got um, 
only a handful of dramas, but it does have some current ones. So, for example, the highest rated drama from 2017 is this thing called uh, General uh, Scholar and a Eunuch, which is kind of like this period comedy where these figures from history come forward into modern day. They've done this kind of thing dozens of times with different characters. Um, but this was the highest rated, so we thought we'd give it a chance, and we started watching it. Um, and it's okay so far. It's pretty funny. It stars Harriet Young and um, some other, you know, recognizable faces from films and from TVB. So you can check that out. Again, free. It's got commercials in there to sort of uh, make up the revenue. The Chinese version um, has a lot more stuff there. For example, they have the Tong Sum Fumbo 3, um, which is, I think, currently just ended or currently running. Um, so you can watch that there, but only with um, Chinese subtitles. Um, but again, it's great to see a lot of this stuff being made available without having to do, you know, crazy logins. And you can, you know, in some cases you can opt in for premium levels or you can just watch the commercials. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that a lot more media is being made available through these platforms on this matter. So you can check those out too. I guess my final point on favorite things, uh, something I discovered recently, uh, about a week ago, I posted about it on our Facebook page too. Um, the actress slash director slash writer slash what she does a lot of stuff, right? Cultural commentator, um, known as Chuck Wan Chi, also known as uh, GC Gooby by uh, one of her other aliases. Um, you may recognize her from a lot of films. She usually has um, cameos. She's directed films like Kick-Ass Girls and um, what was the the one from a couple years ago, Kevin, where Nick Chung... Oh, uh, the Sammy Chang one, right? Yeah, yeah, the um, Nick Chung, Sammy Chang movie. That was actually pretty gosh. good. I liked it. Um, she's um, She has done... She's done these sort of two stand-up shows... And Netflix bought them, I guess, because they're from, I want to say, 2014, 2015 time period, or maybe 2015, 2016. Um, so she did these, and they bought both of them, and they kind of combined them and put them as episodes under this thing called uh, Chuck Wan Chi's Two Night Stand on Netflix. And the great thing is is that it's English subtitled. Um, now, if you've never seen these kind of stage shows in Hong Kong, um, you know, a lot of people, Jim Chim has done them. Um, Chung Tat Ming has done them. Lots of people have done them over the years. Uh, Dao Wong has done lots of them. He's kind of, that's been his bread and butter for a long time. Um, these are typically released on DVD, but most of the time they're not subtitled in English. So you have to really rely on your ability to read Chinese subtitles or, you know, your Chinese fluency. Um, for a lot of outsiders, it's very, very difficult to make, you know, for these to be approachable. Um, so it's great to see them do something like this. And even though the humor's somewhat localized, very cultural, I think the sub they do a good job with the subtitles in translating it out. Um, her comedy style may not appeal to everybody. It's very different from a lot of the Netflix comedies that are out there because these shows usually run close to two hours. Whereas if you look at a lot of the comedy shows that Netflix is producing now, um, they're usually about 50 minutes. So it can seem a bit like, more like a marathon. But a lot of times she's commenting on stuff more so than just throwing out like one-liners. Um, so if that's something that interests you, if you know who she is, I, again, I think it's something that um, is worth a look, uh, you know, and you can work your way through it um, with both episodes. And I'm just glad it's there. I mean, I, we, I was just like looking through 
the, the stuff on like sort of the newly added feed on the Netflix page. And then there it was. I was like, wait a minute. Um, is this right? Did, did I somehow switch over to Hong Kong Netflix accidentally? Nope, there it was. So uh, check that out and uh, see if you like it because I would love to see them do more of this kind of thing. Before I get into looking forward to 2018, Kevin, what were some of your favorite things from 2017? Um, quite, quite a, well, now I think of it, it's like I, I can't think of too many things, but once you start talking, I start remembering things. But first of all, Japanese reality shows. Still, not just Terrence House. Uh, of course, I'm the one. Remember, I'm the one who got you. I think 2017 was the one when I got you hooked on Terrence House. So yep. I'm I'm thankful for that. I finally got at least one adoptee. Um, well, my best friend in in America also uh, got hooked, but I think he was hooked in 2016. I'm not sure, but um, I'm thankful for that. Also, this year I actually saw the re- 2017 at least at least in Netflix Asia uh, is the revival of Love Wagon. Um, it's a lo- it was a long-running Japanese reality show that follows uh, six or seven people who travel around in a in a van, and the entire goal is that they would fall in love with each other along the way. Um, and that show ran about nine years, um, including the time when I was in Japan, when I lived in Japan. That was about 12, 13 years ago. So it was a huge thing for my generation, and they and Netflix brought it back this year. And the revival thing started around late October, and I began watching it, and we're now in about eight or ten episodes in now. Um, it's not available in the U.S. yet, from what I hear, uh, not until the end of this month, I think. But it was such a sort of welcome back. It was such a throwback, and it's really fun. Um, and again, it's this whole idea that Japanese people, you know, even reality shows, are so nice to each other, and 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 of course they're trying to fall in love and watching the romantic entanglements and of course the commentary um all that stuff just come together and and i'm really th- uh and something i really enjoy um and of course terrence house even though aloha state is easily the worst season of the three um you know i still got addicted to it and and always remember guilty samurai and <laughs> catfish <You> know, <laughs> yeah the stuff. catfish that's so sad yep. Uh, so that, and then, you know, great movies, lots of great movies. I watched 395 films last year, um, and I traveled to a lot of film festivals. I, w- I was on my first trip to Udine, um, my first trip to the Tokyo Film Festival in a long time, and of course the film festival was in Taipei. Um, so to, so just a lot of great films this year. If I could, I can share some of my top 10 choices. Um, of course I watched some great films when I was in the U.S. I saw Call Me By Your Name, and I saw, um... Uh, uh, um, Lady Bird um, and Molly's Game because I'm a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin, the Florida Project, all very great films, and of course some other films that I some of my favorites. Uh, I, I usually separate my top ten list by Western and Asian, um, but I'm not going to go through all twenty films. I'm just going to mention some of my favorites in the two lists. Um, that includes A Ghost Story, uh, which has Casey Affleck in a bed sheet, uh, BPM, the French film about the uh, the ace activists back in the '80s. Um, I got to Dunkirk, which I traveled all the way to Thailand to watch in IMAX uh, 70 millimeter. That's a that was a great trip and that was an amazing theatrical experience. Um, Shape of Water, the Guillermo del Toro film, uh, which I was just, just enchanted by, and I never enjoyed a Guillermo del Toro film more. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, which is not better than those films I mentioned because um, even though it just won the Golden Globe but uh, I still like that film quite a bit. Asian side um, there's Angels Wear White which I saw at the Golden Horse Festival and 
and it came right in the midst of the Me Too movement. So um, it was almost like the perfect film to watch um, to get get me sort of enraged at the whole this whole um, the whole situation and what's been going on. And you know, the movie was so so enraging that it made me want to punch a few men afterwards. Afterwards, um, but it's a great, great, great film. Uh, Bad Genius, the Thai film, the Thai heist film, which by the way, Paul is now available on iTunes. Yes, uh, in the U.S. Um, Close Knit, which was just a really uh, such a, uh, a humanizing film about uh, a transgender character, um, a transgender person in Japan, um, a family story. I, I was just so moved by that film. Um, the Great Buddha Plus, a Taiwan film, um, that was just awesome. Lots of black comedy. I think um, really the VIP of Asian cinema this year, I think, is Taiwan cinema. The, the way it's really um, come back this year of Missing Johnny and Great Buddha and and the both the corrupt and the beautiful um, and Feng Shaogang's Youth, which I enjoyed a lot. Also, there was a adult animated film called Have a Nice Day, which is type, kind of like a Ning Hao film, but main animated form and sort of a bit more fearless in terms of how nasty its characters could be. Um, I thought that was really uh, a great film. So. Um, those are just a few of my favorites, and of course, seeing older films. For example, I, I there was a Ever Yang retrospective here in Hong Kong this year. Um, I saw Umbrellas of Cherbourg for the first time because of La La Land, and that was just amazing. Um, and you know, the Cinefan program really in general is bringing all these old films that I, that I never got to see. Um, and those were just really great things. And Netflix and Amazon. Um, Direct TV now. That's one thing I guess I I, I was fan- favorite thing of 2017, which really put me back in touch with America and being able to watch things live and just sort of having American TV on my TV again. Um, Amazon, Netflix, both making really great shows and um, Master of None, which I think um, is the best comedy show I watched this year. I don't watch much TV. I don't have time to catch up on a lot of TV, so I'm really way right behind on things. Um, so I haven't seen Stranger Things, I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale, I haven't seen all the shows that everyone's talking about, but I did finish the se- second season of Master of None, and I thought that was amazing, um, including, uh, there was one episode that kind of reminds me of the the episode of The Simpsons, where um, it's not a real story, where it just sort of jump from character to character, um, that was one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons ever, and there was an episode kind of like down Master of None season two that I really love, and also of course the Thanksgiving episode that everyone um, everyone's talked about. Um, so so you know I'm really still watching a lot of great things, even though 2017 um, wasn't a great year for Hong Kong. I think uh, uh, Hong Kong films were really lackluster, or they were sort of just just a step just a step away from being great. Um, so many things were just short of being great. Um, I think um, what was the what was the Anhui film? Um, our, our time, time will come. come is still yeah. the yeah. Our time will come is still the best Hong Kong film of the year, which is a bit sad because you know um, compared to the year before, we got Mad World and Travisa and 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 things like that, uh, which would have easily made my top ten. But whereas this year there was no Hong Kong film that made my top ten. Um, so I'm still glad there's so many things out there that you know enjoy life it, and of course work. One of my favorite things of yeah having been able to work on certain projects, being able to do um, the Looming Storm, which did so well at Tokyo, and um, doing uh, Soccer Killer, which I guess no one else enjoyed, um, but I kind of enjoyed trying to do Jeff Lau dialogue uh, in English, um, and and just being able to keep making a living doing what I do. I already have free releases in 2018 that's coming up. 
Uh, but I'm going to talk about that when we talk about next things we look forward to. But yeah, just be able to keep making a living doing things involving movies. I mean, that's something that I'm truly thankful for. And uh, I continue to be thankful for. And I don't think that's something that I should ever take for granted. So um, yeah, 2017, not a bad year in retrospect. All right. As we said, things looking forward to for 2018. Of course, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I was uh, anxiously awaiting the return of Terrace House called Opening New Doors, which is running now, but we don't get until March 13th, but uh, better late than never, as I like to say. Um, Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, which has already screened theatrically in Japan last year, but is getting a release um, in just a couple days here on January 17th on Netflix. Um, I've heard pretty good things about it um, in some of the sort of kaiju discussion groups um, for for people who have seen it. So I'm kind of excited for this as the, you know, return to Godzilla of form that I know and love as opposed to Shin Godzilla, (laughs) which I didn't actually love. Um, (laughs) But we talked about that before. Um, it's a year for a lot of sequels and things, and especially in like sci-fi fantasy stuff that's kind of on, on the board. And I will say this, I'm kind of exhausted with, um, the superhero stuff and I'm a super nerd. Um, so if I'm exhausted, I got to wonder if the general public's starting to get exhausted and it's my own fault because I follow a lot of the TV shows and, and everything. But, um, I think I mentioned last time I still haven't seen, Thor Ragnarok, uh, have not seen Justice League, um, probably will watch them as soon as they, you know, get on video. But in part, it's because of life circumstances. But there have been other films, like I rushed out and got permission from the wife to go see Star Wars. I didn't want to do that for Thor, and I didn't want to do that for um, Justice League. I'm probably not going to do that for Black Panther. And because I've not seen those, I don't want to go in to see Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War um, without having seen those first. So I don't know if I'm going to see that theatrically either. Um, I just kind of feel like, wow, it's it's uh, you know it's just more Marvel stuff month after month after month. Um, but I am looking forward to a couple sequels um, coming forward. One being Wreck It Ralph two. Um, I know Wreck-It Ralph's not a super popular Disney animated movie, but I really like the first one, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the second one. I like some of the background things that they do in that and some of the humor and some of the sort of internet and geek culture. So I'm hopeful that it will be at least as good as the first one. And after a long, long, um, much-anticipated and awaited, uh, what would you call it, not really a break, but a period of time, uh, we're getting another Incredibles movie. You know, for years people have been saying, oh, another Toy Story, okay. Do we really need another Cars movie? Okay. But where's the Incredibles? <laughs> people have been clamoring for the Incredibles. And we've got it coming this year. But you know what they say, be careful what you wish for. Um, so I can the, can they make magic the second time? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully they can, but I'm kind of excited about that. And that's a superhero thing. So I'm kind of contradicting myself right there. So... <laughs> There you have it. But that's what I'm kind of looking forward to so far in 2018. Um, In terms of Hong Kong stuff, I haven't really looked far and abroad. Um, You know, there's still a lot of stuff I need to catch up on 2017. Um, Thousand Faces of Tangia, um, The Demon Cat, 
um, the Chinese New Year movie that's coming. I forget the name of it now. Um, with uh, beautiful, wonderful moment, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful moment. moment. Yeah, I, I'm actually excited for that because that looks like uh, a very straight up traditional Chinese New Year film, which we really didn't get last year. Um, so yeah, it's Patrick Kong. I know, I know, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I'll be excited until I see it. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, that's some of what I'm looking forward to in 2018. Kevin, how about you? Paul, you know the you know the Chinese New Year comedy genre is in trouble when they have to get Karina Lau and Simon Yam to lead a Chinese <laughs> New Year movie. I'll watch it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Sad. Um, no, no. I, um, I mean, I can't look too far ahead. I mean, I'm always sort of just looking forward to the next month. What's coming up in the next month? But uh, of course, more. Uh, film festival travels. Um, I if if the stars align, I think I'll be traveling to uh, Amsterdam this year in March, um, and of course Udine in April for the 20th anniversary of the Far East Film Festival, um, and you know lots of more great movies. But of course, the return of Terrence House. That's really something I look incredibly look forward to. By the way, Paul, if if you need something to quench your Terrence House first uh, thirst, I believe I was told that Love Wagon. Uh, will be available in the U.S. In, uh, before the end of the month. Great. I'll look forward to that. So catch that. Um, uh, I, whereas I'm, I'm the one who catches up on the superhero movies, so I look in, I look a, uh, really look forward to Black Panther. Not be, just because it's Marvel. I'm not like... Uh, I mean, I follow all the Marvel movies, but I'm not like a... Like a whatchamacallit? I'm not so crazy that I would watch anything beyond the movies. But Ryan Coogler... Um, Creed made me cry. Like I never thought that a Rocky movie would make me cry, but Creed made me cry. Um, so, so I'm really, really excited to see what Ryan Coogler does with with Black Panther, um, and to an extent, Infinity War, just because you know it's finally coming. Um, so I'm excited for those. I'm excited, like you said, I'm excited for Incredibles two. Um, I'm excited for um, one series that I'm really excited to watch is John Claude Van Johnson. Oh, that's um, great. That's so good. Um, well, at least the pilot. Yeah. The pilot. I the, pilot. the pilot's, the pilot's amazing. amazing. I don't know. I, I've yes. been I've been kind of reluctant to watch the rest of the series because I'm afraid <laughs> it'll get bad. But it's only like six episodes. So, but the pilot when they dropped it for the Amazon premiere, um, I loved it a lot. And um, yeah, it's definitely on my to watch list for this year. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I hoping I'm, I'm hoping I can watch that. I can finish Patriot, which I thought is also really really underrated show. Really hilarious. I'm um, hoping I look forward to finishing Patriot. I'm looking forward to watching more of Rick and Morty. I'm about five episodes in the first season. And I know you're a huge fan of that. Oh Paul, yeah, of course. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just gets better. Each season gets better and better. Right. Um, of course. Uh, so movies, uh, Psychokinesis, the, the new film from the director of Train to Busan. Um, of course, that will be available on Netflix because Netflix bought the world rights, worldwide rights to that and the, the trailer actually looks pretty pretty darn good at the moment. Um, the part two of Along with the Gods. Now, what is this? This is a Korean film. Um, that's been a huge hit in Korea. It's uh, based on a webtoon. Um, and the first part is about um, a fireman who dies on a job and he must go through uh, seven stages because he's been deemed uh, a paragon, uh, a sort of a, a really great stand-up guy who dies and deserves to, to go through reincarnation. So um, he's taken through these seven stages and throughout the course of the story, we learn that perhaps his life, you know, because his life is sort of put on trial and, and we realize that perhaps his life wasn't as clean cut as it is. And of course the free guardians who, who bring him through these trials must protect him and must find ways to get him through the trials because 
um, getting him reincarnated means that they can also get redemption. So um, I thought it was a really original story. It's a really great story. And the special effects extravaganza for what it is, it has a real human heart. And the first part I thought was just a, a game changer for Asian special effects films. And and um, the audience I watched it with was was really respons- res- responsive to it. They they were you know crying and sniffling throughout. And it's a two-parter. So um, uh, the film ends with a cliffhanger, kind of a cliffhanger. Um, and part two comes out this summer. So I'm really excited to watch how this the story uh, wraps up uh, in part two, um, and of course the the films as I mentioned before, I have a couple of big films coming. I can't talk too much about them, but I can say that one of them uh, involves a monster, um, a little short monster <laughs> with multiple arms, with maybe um, a Chinese New Year release, maybe maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> my my first Chinese New Year film. Uh, also, a a certain uh, uh, new chapter of a uh, film uh that has a guy in sunglasses and toothpick um that's a, the fourth film that's coming up also uh just did a, a film that stars the guy who played that guy with sunglasses and toothpick <laughs> so it's new film so i <laughs> so so i so i already got three releases and those are three really major releases and uh i'm i'm really excited to 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 have to have those films come and you know meet the audience that i of course, I'm excited to see what other projects I get um, offered this year. Um, so still, I mean, despite all the sequels and whatever, there's still lots of things to look forward to, I think. All right. In lieu of news this week, um, because we're playing sort of the year in review, um, and th- this isn't really a rundown of the entire year because I still have, I think I'm 19 or 20 movies in of the 40 plus, depending on what kind of list you look at. I mean, I've got a list that extends out to 50 something, but not all of those got released. So um, I've got to kind of whittle down my list and see, but um, you know, the, I've seen about 20 of the films from 2017 so far, and I caught up a bunch on a bunch of them in the past week. Um, So here's a quick rundown of what I've seen of late Uh, cherry returns, which was the first Hong Kong film, of 2017 and one of the first films I watched in 2018 and one of the worst films I watched (laughs) from either 2017 (laughs) or 2018. This is really down there on a lot of lists um, in in terms of some of the critics and it's not a good film. Um, It's actually the worst film on a couple lists that I've seen. I don't think think it's going to make my worst. It's probably going to make my next to worst because there's one film which I think is actually worse which I'll talk about in just a moment. Um, 77 Heartbreaks, the Herman Yao-directed um, Charlene Choi romantic comedy drama, um, which was okay. Uh, it was very colorful. I was talking with Kevin about this film because this film and another film that I saw before um, called All My Goddess, they, they really looked like they were shot on handheld video. I mean, and I don't know if it's the way my TV was processing it or if they, because I know that a lot of films that are shot on digital in post-processing, they go through a process where they give it film look. You know, it's like an extra step to kind of revert it to make it look like it's shot on film rather than shot on video so it doesn't look like a TV drama. And I don't know if it was the lighting. Kevin had mentioned the lighting on this film kind of really being cranked up, but it really looked like, you know, you're watching like Charlene in a TV drama rather than than on a film. 
Um, and it was okay, very sort of straightforward, Charlene-style uh, TV drama. Um, also in the Herman Yao camp, uh, I saw Shockwave finally, which got released to U.S. iTunes. Um, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really interesting production. I really, I, when Kevin reviewed this, one of the things he highlighted was the sort of local political aspect um, with regard to the tunnels. And I found that to be the most interesting part, more so than, um, you know, sort of the actual revenge plot or the the bombing plot. Um, I will say that I never, I don't think I've laughed so hard um, this year, except perhaps in Meow. <laughs> and I won't mention <laughs> it anymore, I promise. Um, I don't think I've laughed so hard, except in the scene where the the, the main villain, um, Jiang Wu's brother, it gets what happens to him. <laughs> and that's all I'll say, because I don't want to spoil it. But what happens to him is just tragic and funny at the same time. <laughs> um, but it's, a you know, when you consider that they actually rebuilt the tunnel um, to do this film in like a big, uh, I think it was a big shipping lot or somewhere. Um, it's, pre- it's pretty amazing by design because there's no way you could block off these tunnels to, to do filming. Um, so it's a great, it's great in terms of the production um, and I watched the Cantonese, I know there's Mandarin dubs floating around there, but watch the Cantonese dub because, um, quite a few of the Hong Kong actors are doing their dialogue in sync on that one. Not all of them, um, but uh, most, many of them, I would say, um, you do have some mainland actors who are, uh, you know, who are being dubbed. Uh, let's see, uh, soccer killer. I got a chance to see, um, <laughs> Uh, that's I've all I'll that say. I've seen that movie too many times. Yeah, it's, I've it's, seen that movie too many times. It's interesting. I, I guess it's considered parody, and that's why they can, you know, Jeff Lau can kind of get away with a lot of the superhero references um, <laughs> without any legal ramifications. Um, but, you know, if you've seen any of the Jeff Lau stuff, mainland-directed stuff like this in the past couple of years, it's par for the course. It's 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 not going to be on the worst uh, it's not going to be on the best, uh, you know, and if you if you like that kind of silly humor with some mainland gags thrown in at times, um, a lot of sight gags, a lot of, you know, pop culture references, it, it's there and it is what it is. Um, but the subtitles are great, right, Paul? Oh, yes. They're the best of the year. <laughs> <laughs> they get the subtitle awards. Um, I did see Our Time Will Come. And even though I bought the discounted Mandarin version, I rented the, because Kevin said, you got to watch the Cantonese version. So I rented the Cantonese version and watched it. Um, it's an Anhui movie, and I hate to be down on an Anhui movie, but it is kind of slow. And it's am- it's amazing to look at in terms of the recreation of like old Hong Kong and and the production values and the art direction are amazing in it. I just wasn't that into the story. My wife left halfway through and didn't come back. Um, it, uh, the characters were just, I mean, I know that these are real characters that they're kind of focusing on uh, in terms of the story. So it's got that historic aspect, and usually I like that. I It just wasn't that engaging for me in terms of um, the other aspects. I mean, Dean Yip's great, um, and it's great to see some of the other other players. Um, Eddie Peng was fine. Um, it just, it, I just, I don't know. It just didn't capture me um, as much as I thought it would. Um, the thing that I've liked the best so far, um, that's, I think coming out on top out of everything is 29 plus one, which I really loved. Um, I know this is a film that's not for everybody, but I like where the film comes from, the sort of history behind this film. 
um, with the um, uh, the one woman show by Karen Pang. I think she did a great job as a new director coming in and and directing this. I liked the performances. Um, this was a year where Chrissy Chow really nailed a couple of performances that made me kind of step back and say, yeah, she's really carrying on. I, I know that a couple of years ago we talked about uh, her in the, um, what was it, the Breakup Club with uh, Eakin or Breakup 100. Do you remember that, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Breakup 100, yeah. Yeah, where she really, you know, kind of held her own with Eakin in a very mature role. And she's carried that through here with um, Yuppie Fantasia 3, I think, as a very sort of strong, you know, capable woman and not just a Langmo anymore. And even more so here. Um, so I really enjoyed this film a lot. Joyce Chang was great. Um, the, the parallels between the two stories, I think, were really well done. The visuals were really well done. And the nostalgia. Um, you know, if you really want to get me to like a film, throw in aspects of Hong Kong nostalgia, you know, pop culture references from the, the, you know, the 80s, the 90s, that stuff really gets me. I'm a sucker for that stuff. So I really like this. Again, I know it's not like a film that's going to appeal to everybody because it's kind of speaking to a very specific demographic, really speaking to a more female demographic, I'm sure. But I don't know, maybe my feminine side uh, taps into that somehow because um, I just really enjoyed the story of these two girls, their journey, and again, the reminiscing about some of those old uh, cultural aspects. Um, probably the thing that's going to make my worst of, and I still have a lot to go through, is going to be the Category 3 film members only. Which I don't know if you saw this, Kevin. No, um, I'm still trying to get a copy. So can yeah. you rip me a copy? Actually, <laughs> the the um th- this is a film that how can I say um it's a category <laughs> three film um but it's like category three in terms of they somehow pushed a couple boundaries beyond Lan Kwai Fong the Lan Kwai Fong movies which weren't quite category three. But they didn't make it category three enough, right? It's not, and it's not like a traditional category three movie. There's no, I mean, aside from a few butt cracks, there's no actual nudity in this film. Um, You know, so they're still kind of doing that kind of, you know, sexy time with clothes on or a slightly, you know, camera blocked angle kind of thing. Um, So they've got that going on. But basically, it's a story about trading stocks and having sex, right? <laughs> and somehow they make the stock trading more interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's that's this movie. But the biggest problem with this movie is that it just suddenly ends. And I mean, it just ends. It's like they ran out of money and they didn't know how to complete the story. I mean, the characters kind of end up in these weird places and you think that there's going to be a comeuppance or a big resolution or... A reunion, and, and no, it's just the story stops and the credits roll and there's like this long pan out of the characters at the club again. And it's just like, that's it? That's It, it really feels like they just, you know, ran out of money and they couldn't film anymore. Um, and, and for that narrative point alone, it really dropped a few points and, and put it at the bottom of my list. Um, so, yeah, if you are a Category 3 fan, if you're thinking that this is going to be a fun film like... Um, uh, what was the one a couple years ago? Uh, that was so funny. Uh, Gigolo? Or... G- was it Gigolo or? Gigolo? 
was it called the Jiggle? I can't remember now. Um, that but that one was really a really fun film. Right? It was funny. It had a sense of humor. Um, it was fairly well directed, but it had a very kind of A B C narrative to it. And this is like A B and no C. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's just not. It doesn't really work well on either level. For I think if you're a traditional sort of Hong Kong category three style fan, where you're looking for. Uh, lots of sexy time and shots of naughty bits. You're not going to see that here. You're going to see stuff more akin to Lan Kwai Fong. And if you're looking for something that's narrative, at least narratively structured, where you get a more solid story like a Lan Kwai Fong, you're not even going to get that. So um, it kind of fails on on both accounts, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's a lot of stuff I've still got to catch up on. A couple other things. The Adventurer is, the Adventurers is slotted. Um, the Sammy Chang movie um, is is up to uh, for view this week. Um, and I think uh, With Prisoners is there. I've still got a place in order for some stuff that just doesn't have any availability other than DVD right now. Like, surprisingly, the um, uh, Pang Ho Chung film, um, Cherry and what's um, Sean? You uh, love, love off love, love off, off the, the cuff. cuff. Yeah, um, I have the Blu-ray. Yeah, but that's it. It's like it's not on any streaming platforms. Not on iTunes. Um, it's not anywhere. I can hook you up, bro. And well, you know, it's like I I, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. But I want I want to I want to pay my dues, right? Um, well, I'm not buying a copy of <laughs> Members Only. I'm sorry. Like, no, I please, don't know how you please, it. please don't. Um, there's other stuff too that's. Um, some some stuff out there like um, I think that's just got released like To Love or Not to Love, but there's other stuff that I don't know. The Patrick Kong movies nowhere in sight yet. Um, uh, Our Time in Six E, I think, uh, another school movie is um, not out there. Mrs. K, I think I'm gonna have to wait a while for. So a lot of that. I think stuff... uh, PG Girls is finally coming out. That's the Patrick Kong production, not a not a directorial. PG Girls work. has been out. I've got I've got a I've got a I got a DVD of that like early last year in one of my early orders oh, yeah. really? um the um i still know uh ellis for love ellis for lies 2 they, they just dumped that movie for whatever reason i said you know steffi's gonna have a good year this year so we're not gonna release this or something i don't know <laughs> um so yeah um wukong oh, i caught up on wukong too well the eddie pang monkey king joint which i actually ended up really liking i think in terms of if I had to compare it with uh, Journey to the West, Demon Strike Back, I think I liked Wukong a bit more, even though it really kind of takes a lot of liberties with the Monkey King origin. And it does some very, it's, it does some things we've seen before, I think, as Kevin mentioned in his take on it. Um, they strip away the powers for a bit and send them down to Earth. And um, But as a kind of Monkey King prequel, it, it hits a few of the common beats of the story with kind of a scene like Havoc in Heaven where he steals the peaches and but then he gets a relationship with um, the three-eyed deity played by Sean Yu and the production value was good um, it's a lot of CGI and a lot of green screen but um, overall um, I found it to be okay um, so yeah that's a lot of the stuff I've caught up on still some other stuff to catch up on too um, in, and especially the Herman Yao films uh, The Sleep Curse and um, uh, what, what's the ghost one he did? Um, the troublesome night one, Kevin. Uh, um, always be always with be you. with you. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I've heard that's pretty good. The um, 
as I said, it's only Hark's Thousand Faces of uh, Dungia, which probably won't be seeing for at least another few months because I think that's still playing in cinemas. And um, Kevin's going to talk about the la- the final film of Hong Kong, right? Technically, I guess, um, Goldbuster in just a little bit. Um, I'm anxious to see that as well. Um, for those who are trying to play catch-up too, just a couple initial uh, things to be aware of on the horizon. Uh, Chasing the Dragon, if you didn't get a chance to see that, it's getting U.S. Um, Blu-ray release on January 23rd. And um, I think Legend of the Naga Pearls is following a week later on January 30th. Of course, Wolf Warrior 2, which is the biggest steamroller of, of the year, I think, is um, already out there and available on both streaming platforms and um, you can uh, that is you can get it digitally or you can buy the, the physical Blu-ray. Um, and surprisingly, um, I, I do want to talk a little bit, if you're trying to compile a list of Hong Kong films to watch from 2017, um, the South China Morning Post film critic, uh, Edmund Lee, he did a list. I, it was, I was really surprised to see that Wolf Warrior 2 didn't make his list, whereas Naga Pearls did. And I'm wondering what he considers to be a Hong Kong film, if, if it has to do with theatrical release or not. But his is a good list. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his ranking. Um, he does have Cherry Returns as the, the worst film, um, and he ranks members only a little bit higher, but not by much. Um, but <laughs> he also has Husband Killers way down there in the list. And I remember that you said you really kind of liked that film, Kevin. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that. No? That I, far. Okay. No, um, I mean... Then, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't, I'm looking at the list right now. I can't believe you put Nail Clipper Romance above yeah, Love he, Off the Cuff. He's got that pretty high. Um, he does have Cook Up a Storm as 23, but he ranked... Um, this is not what I expected higher than that. So I'd agree with that because I think the two films share some similarity because they're about cooking. And I liked This Is Not What I Expected a lot better. Um, but he's got Naga Pearls in his top 20. Um, which again, as far as I know, no big Hong Kong cast names in that, right? So I don't know if it's a case of production money or something or... Production money and Gordon Chan as producer. Theatrical screening, whereas we didn't get that for Wolf Warrior 2. So he didn't include that in his list. Um, And I I mean, you might know better, Kevin. Um, Soccer Killer, did that get theatrical release? In Hong Kong, nope. because yeah, I remember. Nope, that t- went straight to uh, straight to DVD. Straight to video, I think. Yeah, yeah um, um, then Thousand Faces of Dunja is uh, is counted as a 2018 release because the official release was January 4th. Uh, but um, no, you're right. I'm surprised there's no why he didn't wait until Goldbuster. He watched Goldbuster to put it on yeah. uh, on that list. Um, so you can you can look at that. I'll keep put that link in the show notes. And if you're looking to build a uh, a listing of stuff to try to sort of catch up on, even if you don't want to catch up on anything, on everything, but you want to say maybe the top, you know, the best 20 films or something, you can start with his list and then look at some other lists and see what you can um, do to sort of go out there and find stuff and acquire it either physically or on um, digital versions. Um, that's good. It's a good starting point. I, I Again, I have a list that includes uh, a bunch of other stuff like, what is the one you mentioned, Kevin, from Taiwan? The bold, the beautiful, and the corrupt or something? Yeah, um, yeah. Which has uh, Karahoi. I don't know if that's enough to make it, quote, unquote, a Hong Kong film over a Taiwan film. 
Um, there's there was something that was supposed to be released uh, back in November, I think, called The Treasure, a Dao Wong Ronald Cheng film, which <laughs> just seems to have disappeared. Um, which and you had mentioned, Kevin, that you worked on the trailer for that, which I found to be interesting because I would have thought yeah. if they if they had already had somebody do subtitling work on that, they wouldn't need to do it for the trailer, right? Yeah, they told me they told me that they had someone else to work on the film. I think uh, they just need me to stop the trailer for some reason. And uh, interesting enough, that trailer went up, and then um, the distributor pulled it from YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was actually up their official that's why they needed it because i think they were trying to get it done for a november release and the film just got pulled and they even pulled the trailer so that trailer doesn't af- exist on the official distributors uh or distributors official youtube channel anymore yeah so that may end up straight on video who knows i the hong kong movie database has that listed as a two, 2015 film so that oh, might okay. have been something that's been kind of shelved for a while or in in the works or you know who knows but um, again, you know, so you can start if you're, if you're looking to build a list, start with Edward Lee's and then, you know, sort of branch out to some of the other critics and, um, you can go from there. All right. I think that's enough of our discussion of things from 2017. Um, we're going to take a short musical break and we'll be back with Kevin's review of what is the final film, I guess, of 2017. And that is Sandra M's Goldbuster. And welcome back. So for our singular review this week, uh, Kevin's going to tell us about the new mainland slash Hong Kong film, Goldbuster. That's right. Uh, Goldbuster, not not Ghostbusters, uh, is the uh, directorial debut of uh, Sandra Ng. Yes, I always thought that, actually I always thought that she directed The Four Faces of Eve, but apparently she didn't. I totally didn't realize that. Um, so this is her directorial debut, and of course, it's produced by Peter Chan. Her her uh, her partner, um, and and of course made with mainland Chinese money, um, and yeah, it was the final release of 2017. Um, the story uh, between a dusty dusty construction site and a luxury high rise, a dilapidated multi story residence named Humble Grove sits awkwardly. Its tenants have not dared to step outside the building for years because if they do, they'll be locked out of their homes by ruthless property developers. One night inexplicable incidents of uncanny horror before before all the red of the tenants who subsequently decide to hire a ghostbuster named golden ling played by sandra ng to perform an exorcism however it turns out that she's got a few tricks up her sleeves as well um so i kept thinking um so you know sandra has always had this loud sort of mole tao Com- comedic sensibility i think she is in the in the sort of steven chow camp where she throws a lot of stuff in the wall and hope hope a few things stick and that's kind of what happens here she's not really a verbal comedian uh, i mean she's a funny funny woman but 
she's always been sort of more uh, slapstick than 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 verbal. So I think that's what. Whereas you know Stephen Chow kind of does both. He's really great at slapstick, but he's also really witty and really clever um, uh, comedian. Um, so here you can you can expect a lot of slapstick stuff. Um, it's shot in the mainland, of course. It was mainly uh, a mainland cast, but it does include uh, Alex Fong and Francis Ng, uh, who play two Hong Kongers. I think they play. So the tenants include a whole really eclectic uh, characters. Um, so it's this sort of um, dilapidated uh, uh, residence or resident block where most of the residents have have, have already moved out, but the few remain, uh, and that includes. Um, uh, Alex Fong, Francis Ng as uh, a former triad members who lives in the building, and um, Francis Ng has this mental disability where he keeps st- saying that he's a cop, um, which I guess is supposed to be funny. Uh, it's, it's very much like a Hong Kong film reference that mainland Chinese would, would kind of appreciate. Uh, there's a doctor who actually wants a real ghost to appear because he keeps thinking that it's his dead wife coming back. So that that was uh, good for a couple of gags. There's a husband and wife who, who uh, make who apparently make medicine that's sort of like cocaine, but of course it's a Chinese film, so they can't say that they remake cocaine. Instead, they just make washing powder or something. There's a guy who's married to a doll, and you know, and there's a woman who does um, live internet video feeds, and that's her like bread and butter, I guess. So he's got a weird character, um, but from the from the Cantonese dub. Really, she should have just made it in Hong Kong because um, um, the the Mandarin. I'm not sure what the um, Mandarin humor is like, but there's some really great Cantonese local gags that make you, you know, make you kind of wish that she had done of a Hong Kong cast. Uh, this time, Sandra in this book of Happy Twists or Kaishi Mahua. These are um, people who are behind the hit films Never Say Die and Goodbye, Mr. Loser. They were a theater troupe. And they started adapting a couple of their plays for films, and they've been immensely successful. They made this film last year called Mr. or two years ago, I think, called Mr. Donkey, which um, was a real sleeper hit. Uh, and I saw it on the plane, and I think it's excellent. Actually, it's quite good. But um, again, there's a theater troupe, so so all their all their plays are sort of based on this one location, and and that's also what happens here. This film is all based on this. It's all set in this one resident block. Um, so these guys uh, are there for the localization. Uh, it's a good match for story, like I said, because um, they they are they make these theater comedies and they know how to make things local. But not all the jokes really land in Cantonese. Um, the physical stuff, I mean, they they pretty much fly everywhere. I mean, there's a scene where you. Uh, the beginning, there's a really great sort of this horror scene happening, and then it cuts to uh, turns out this guy's pretending to be a ghost, and it's a sake one of those um, uh, douchebag segways. You know, it was like. The Segway without the handle, what do they call those? Uh, um, they're just like hoverboards, right? Yeah, hoverboards. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a hoverboard gag there. Um, I'm not sure how they landed in Mandarin because the whole thing is is, is done in, in Cantonese. So it, it is uh, a sound. If it sounds like um, Out of the Dark or Biozombie, it's definitely in that vein. You know, horror people and it's a horror comedy and it's set in one place. But of course, it's a Chinese movie, so you know. There's not going to be any ghosts. Uh, from what I've heard uh, recently, that cent- the story, the story actually originally uh, had ghosts, but of course, once it got to the mainland, everything had to be changed. Um, 
so we know that there's not any ghosts, but that doesn't mean that Sandra's got nothing to work with. Um, it, it, you know, there's some, like I said, you can make a whole movie about people fake. You know, it's where you could do a whole Scooby-Doo type of thing, right? Scooby-Doo was not was not made because the mainland didn't, didn't, didn't allow ghosts. I mean, it was just, um, that's the way this type of story goes. And, um, and Detective D also made, you know, pretty good franchise, making, writing movies about actual real monsters or real ghosts. Uh, so you could go that route. And there's some really good gags here. Um, but the film keeps writing itself into a hole because I think they don't really have a story that sustains 90 minutes. Um, so it keeps sort of pulling tricks out of left field. Uh, like when one thing is done, you think that you got rid of the developers. Suddenly there's this really sudden thing that comes out of left field and just want to like throw up your arms and like, what the hell? Let's, let's get out of here. Um, so it so by the by the halfway point it kind of felt exhausted already. It's only eighty nine minutes, only like eighty six minutes or something. But by halfway point, kind of like if you kind of done with it already. Still, there are a couple of really really funny gags. Uh, there's one that involves uh, Alex Fong, uh, real physical gag that was really really hilarious. I didn't see that one coming. There was also one um, uh, a verbal gag, um, not really verbal, but it's kind of a sound play with dub voices that only hong kong horror fans will get like a really really local horror hong kong horror tradition gag that like only hong kongers i think would get so uh they, they couldn't have done that in mandarin um ronald chang actually is a uh, voice is one of the um the bad guys and he was hilarious he was so funny that it makes you wish that he was actually in the film playing that character um, like he is so funny that his voice is enough to to make you laugh. Um, but Francis Ng and Alex Alex Fong, they're in the film. They speak Cantonese, but they're not really giving great material to work with. I think Alex Fong's a, a comb over is actually funnier than most of his, his scenes. Um, Francis Ng doing the cop thing is just sort of weird. Um, I didn't find it that funny. Um, but it, it's made on a on a mainland Chinese budget. So uh, it looks really pretty. There's a really, like I said, there's a real great horror scene in the beginning that um, you know that Sandra couldn't have directed, that someone must have came in and directed that scene. Um, and it's a real professional package. It has Jake Pollock as cinematographer. Uh, Jake Pollock, he, direct, he, he um, shot Love, the, the Dozy No film. He shot uh, Soulmate. I think he was one of the cinematographers on it. Um, he shot the message, you know, he's one of the sort of up and cut. Well, he was really a great emerging cinematographer. Um, sort of been working less in recent years, but he's still, you know, he's one of the best cinematographers in the region. So it's a real professional package. And the design of this estate is right in the middle of this big, uh, it, 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 it looks like it's shot on a soundstage, but, uh, the exterior, exterior shot, which is done on a computer is just sort of piece of land that's surrounded by a pit. And, and beyond the pit, uh, it's like this big city. So it's kind of imaginative design. Um, it's very much like a fairy tale. Um, but it's a real professional package. It looks great. It, it looks much better than if, if Sandra you know, actually made the film in Hong Kong because you know, she would have worked with like, maybe a fraction of that budget. Um, uh, so you know, just, just having that budget makes it a real film that looks good. And so it's not a disaster as I expected. I was really expecting something really, really terrible. But um, I laughed here and there, and I laughed a few times. But it's definitely not good. It definitely has problems. Um, still, it's kind of weird in a cookie way. Um, it is very out there, and I think just for that, I can't. I, I won't. I definitely won't put it on my worst ten films of the year. 
Um, because I just I did really laugh really hard at some of the things and some of the things that are really really imaginative. Um, but the rest overall, the film just sort of not doesn't really work. Not everything works and is um, more stupid than funny, um, which you could expect from a Sandra Ng film. But um, yeah, I, I I had more fun than I expected, and that's I think that's the best thing I can say about Ghostbusters. So does Sandra now qualify as a uh, best new director for the Hong Kong Film Awards? It kind of, I think it does actually, because the Hong Kong it counts as a Hong Kong film with uh, Peter Chan and and with the Hong Kong act, Hong Kong cast, it counts as a as a Hong Kong film. So it is qual- it's qualified for the Hong Kong Film Awards. Will she get a Best New Director nomination? Probably not. I mean, there's just the the, the field this year is very competitive. You have uh, somewhere beyond the mist. You have. Um, you have uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, in your dreams, you have um, quite a few new directors this year. Once again, uh, Karen Pang, I yep. think qualifies. Uh, so yeah, you you have, you have really strong feel again this year. So yeah, uh, I don't think Sandra is gonna get you know nominated this, despite the love that the industry has for her. But um, it's it's again the best thing I can say is that it's not as bad as I expected, even though it's still bad. Do you think that? As a director, I mean, uh, as a freshman entry, though, um, that she's got the stuff? I mean, do you think, um, you know, or is this a one-off? Do you think she should just stick to um, staying in front of the camera? I wonder, because I have a feeling that I don't think that she has much to contribute. Because the the, the really great technical stuff, you know, it's not her technique, right? You know, she surrounds herself with really great technical people, and, you know, those people did the technical stuff of the film that not her you know um um and she doesn't have a great performance she really just dumps it on the rest of the cast except for the few sort of gags that that she pulls off um but the script is really kind of lackluster and you know and she's better off making hong kong movies where she's not so restricted i had to see her really try to make a local hong kong film rather than trying to do it in china under you know restricted conditions because I, I i think that's where she kind of can 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 let loose but i don't think she's going to just because of the association with peter chan and you know he prefers always prefers to work in the mainland um just because of having a bigger budget and all that stuff so um i don't think that she has much room for improvement because you know when you get to the age and you have a, a certain style of comedy it's not going to get i'm really going to change things up um so i don't know what what she has in her and but you know i'm not exactly interested in seeing what else she has to offer i think i think you know once is enough um you know it was fun and you know you had your chance you had your time and why don't you sort of get out of the way and let let more qualified directors work with your husband now Listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. And you have been listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabo of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Researches come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. Listeners like Andrew out in California, who I mistakenly replied back to as a different listener when I got my email streams mixed up. Don't cross the streams.
if I ever learned anything from Ghostbusters, it's that. So apologies to Andrew. Um, and if you would like to write in and be part of the show, please do get in touch with us via our website at concast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com, and you can find us on Facebook at East S West S. As always, I would urge you to follow along with the man who is the mover and the shaker, that is Mr. Kevin Ma, and all that he's doing, especially as he's so busy in 2018. So where can they find more about you, sir? Well, first of all, I, I also got Andrew's email, and I'm so sorry I haven't been able to reply. Um, just, just you know, work and, and swamp of work, and I have work emails that I still haven't replied to. Uh, I did get your email, Andrew, and yes, um, um, sorry I didn't call you up for coffee this time, but you know, I have a chance to be in back in the Bay Area. I would love to meet up and have a have a cup of coffee. Um, and I did get your email, so thank you for writing in. Uh, and um, maybe I will write back, uh, actually, right after I record the show. Um, thank you again for writing in. Um, yes, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Golden Rock. Uh, you can look at my website, which hasn't been updated in ages. It's Asia in Cinema. That's asiaincinema.com, one word. Um, you can read my work on Discovery and Silk Road magazines. Uh, that is, these are on uh, Cathay Pacific and Cathay Dragon Airlines. Um, uh, you can maybe see some of my stuff on uh, Discovery website, uh, discovery.cathaypacific.com. I do have a monthly listicle there introducing um, sort of little factoids or extensions of films that are, or, and TV programs that are on board every month. Um, and you can email me at Kevin at Asia in you know, like Andrew did. Um, I will do my best to respond. I promise. I'm so sorry. I, I will try to respond to your emails. Yeah. And respond to him as Andrew and not somebody <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, that's a uh, bad, bad on my part. I know I do apologize. Um, all right. So uh, that's all well and good. Please do check out our friends over at the podcast on fire network. They're doing exciting and good work over there as well. Our next show, episode 246, um, what is the first film of 2018? Is it the Karina Lau vehicle, In Your Dreams? We could do In Your Dreams. We could do uh, um, Thousand Faces of Dunja. Um, we are watching uh, Legend of Demon Cat tomorrow, so I can even talk about Along the Gods. So there, there are mm. quite a few choices. All right. Well, it'll be something along those lines. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying... Happy 2018, and we'll see you next time. See you next week, everybody. Uh